There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plushcare. Plushcare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Made by Mamas, the podcast. I'm Zoe. And I'm Georgia. And we're here talking all things parenthood. You know, the real conversations. Tips and tricks. Products we love. And brands we can't live without. Let's get into it. Are you ready for it? I've got a very exciting announcement to make. Go for it. Yeah. I am starting my DIY journey today and painting one of the rooms in our house. (laughs) Yes. How hard could it be? Not taking away from any painter decorators out there who are listening because I feel there's a lot of skill involved in it. But you're going to give it a go. I'm going to give it a whirl. I've watched about I say 10 to 12 tutorials over the last week. I've got all my tools. You should have seen me in the the local (laughs) DIY store. I was like, I need sheets to throw down on the floor. I've got to have my tape. I need a roller. I've got my paintbrush to cut in. It's called cutting in when you do the sides. Yeah. Yeah. And um, today's the day. So I'm going to document it because I think it could be quite funny. The worst bit, I think, is that Dozza was um, like, yeah, he was kind of supposed to be helping me yesterday and then that never happened. So I've, I've got to drag all of the furniture out of the room, which can be quite oh. entertaining. Oh my God, please just set up a camera in the corner of the room and let us watch you because this is going to be brilliant. I th- Do you know what? I feel like you're really brave doing that. So hats off to you. Because, Am I? Do you think? Yeah. yeah, because whenever I've said to James, oh, I can't be bothered to wait, you know, to get someone to paint this room. Yeah. I'm just going to do it. He literally looks at me like, no way. Like, no, you're just not. The thing is, is that we did put the feelers out, but but people were coming back going, I can fit you in in March. And I was yeah. like, well, that's two months away. I want I Now that we've like saved, you know, I've tucked away a few pennies. I thought, oh, now's the time to do it. But if I've got to wait two months, I thought I'm just going to crack on here. This is so me. Just do so it. The just only thing I don't want to do, because it's the dressing room. I, I've got to get rid of all the clothes because they're the, they're the pride and joy, aren't they? Above the children. I love the clothes more. <laughs> How are you, George? How was your weekend? I'm good. Yeah, weekend was good. But also, <laughs> I realised how much easier it is just having a five-year-old. I got to spend two nights with just Axel. Oh, nice. Our own thing. Gigi stayed with my mum, only because I was going to the hairdressers on Friday and it's like a, it's like a full day out. And, oh God, it's so much nicer. It's just easier, isn't it? Yeah, you can just give them your full attention. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I do try and spend time with them both alone if I yeah. can. Like I have a Monday and a Friday where I usually just have Gigi while Axel's at school. And then occasionally Gigi will go and stay with my parents and we'll just have Axel and give him yeah. like some attention and love. Um 
because I feel like she is full on. <laughs> yeah, she's really full on, isn't she? But that's just yeah. that is like we always say that is her that is an age thing. Like, yeah. oh, we were with we were with friends at the weekend who've got an eighteen month old, and I just felt so sorry. It was yeah. actually SJ. She's been on the podcast. Um, yeah. Sarah J. Me oh and my God, this child eighteen months. I'm thinking like. Gosh, that's gone so quick. Yeah, she's 18 months, but she couldn't have a conversation, bless her, because Ray found the stairs and then was just walking Mm. out the room, back in the room, trying to get up the stairs, trying to get down the stairs. And it was just, I just felt, you know, you just cannot talk. No, you can't. I know, I know. And then equally, actually, on Friday night, I went to see a friend who's got a newborn and we just sat and talked the whole time. <laughs> How lovely. Like, it was lovely. And the and she was asleep the whole evening. I think she woke up for a feed for about 20 minutes and oh, then went back dreamy. to sleep again. And you know when you're like, oh, yeah, that is the time to go to restaurants. That yeah. is the time to go on holiday. <laughs> yeah it's it's amazing isn't it and then and then the cumulative tiredness gets to you because that isn't all that isn't all people's reality like I remember oh, with no, Kit he was no. just crying all the time because of his reflux but if you've got a baby that sleeps like that you don't re- you don't quite realize it do you especially the first no. time round how how intense it can get that's what I was trying to say to her I was yeah. saying to her like not like enjoy this bit but kind of, because I was like, I know mm. you're worrying. I know you, because mm. that's the thing. She's literally worrying about keeping a human alive, which we yeah. all did. We yeah. all did. And it's very easy from the outside to be like, oh, this is wonderful. She just yeah. sleeps when actually you've got a million things going through yeah. your head. <laughs> yeah. And then someone goes and says on Instagram that it's the hardest age is eight. And I'm thinking, I know. what? <laughs> what? I thought we was past all of that. No, <laughs> no, it's not allowed. Well, listen, Isla's eight and she's an absolute dream. So yes. it just depends on the child, doesn't it? It does, it does. Um, so another confession before we get into the chat. Yeah. I broke dry January on Saturday. Oh, that's oh, all right. That's fine. Not. It is. January should not be dry. January should be damp, okay. not dry. Damp January. But to be honest better. with you, I wish that I'd like gone out in absolute style, you know, like swinging from a pole in Soho. But I didn't. <laughs> I just had one Bloody Mary and one glass of rosé. So it wasn't even like I'd gone out and gone, way, give me all the shots. It was just like, <laughs> yeah, fancy a drink today. So I did. And then I thought I'll get back on it. And then guess what? I drank yesterday as well. A couple of glasses. I think it's fine. I fine, think it? if you break it like twice a week, like, yeah. two, you know, two, like at the weekend, that's all right. It, Monday to Friday, maybe not, unless something fun comes up. But let's make our own I rules think up with you're this. Right. Yeah, yes. I don't agree with dry January. It's rubbish. Okay. Well, I, I'm i all over it. I'm all over Whatever you say, George. Um, yeah. Listen, let's get into this chat because what a powerful conversation it was. And I really, really want everybody listening to hear it today. Um, how incredible was our guest? Oh, don't. Well, I actually, after we chatted to her, I was thinking about all of the things that she's seen Mm. and how she can just sit there and talk about it and she did say you know you'll hear this in the chat that she can separate what she's seen in her job to her home life but now Mm. going back into work it might not be so easy um Mm. now she's a mom gosh Mm. like to get to that position as well and and do the things that she does is is um, amazing definitely takes a certain type of person to be able to do a really brave individual to be able to do what she does um today's guest a war correspondent um super bright but like so down to earth 
Um, and and what I loved about her is she's so engaging when you know when she was talking to us I was literally just I couldn't stop watching and listening to her talk Mm. about the stuff that she's seen in Yemen and all the other pieces of journalism that she's done all the other reporting and yeah it's just like an an amazing human being It's, it's such a fantastic fantastic conversation George who are we chatting to today today we are chatting to Nawal Al Magafi So it's Tuesday and that means we are back with another incredible conversation for you. Uh, Today's guest, I'm so excited about this one, award-winning journalist for the BBC. She spent a lot of her time in war-torn countries. She has won two Emmys. She's a mum to Nora who's six months old. This woman is a total inspiration and we cannot wait to hear all about her life as a mum and a journalist. Please welcome Nawal Al-Magafi to the podcast. So excited. I'm also quite nervous because I'm used to being the one asking the questions, but today I'm going to be a question. Yeah, it's us. How are you? We Just before um, we started recording, you were talking about you could hear a crying baby. Um, and so tell us a little bit how, about how the last six months have been for you. They've been, I mean, they've been a lot of there's been a lot of ups and downs, as you know. You know, the first six months, the first few weeks were really hard. And then, as everyone tells you in those first few weeks, things got a lot easier. Today is a particularly good day because we had a good night's sleep. <laughs> but yes. there have been times in the last few weeks where we haven't had a good night's sleep and it can be a really tough day afterwards. But yeah, lots of ups and downs, mm. more ups. And it has been the most incredible experience of my life. It really has. How do you cope with this? sleepless nights because I feel that's one thing that isn't spoken about before you become a parent no one really tells you how how hard and like severe it can get I know it's so true and I'm one of those people that like has to have eight hours sleep I would always time it like I had to get home from work and I'd be like okay eight hours from now I can't wake up before that Um, and if I had a meeting the next day it would get cancelled if it was less than eight hours away Um, but I think you just get on with it you know, loads of coffee. Mm. You have no choice when you're a mom. You can't do anything about it. Like you just have to get up the next day and you have to function. Um, and I think we have just gotten on with it. <laughs> you know, yeah. And you start to like learn how to function with less sleep. And now mm. six hours for me, I'm like, wow, that was incredible. I had six hours last <laughs> night. I can take on the world. Yeah. Good. And you had a good night last night, didn't you? Exactly. <laughs> last night I had seven. It's amazing. Do you know what I used to say to myself when I was really, really tired? I used to think, but I, I would stand there. I'd have a, like, have a sob, obviously, because I'm such a crier. And then I'd go, no, no, people can run countries on like two to three hours sleep. You know, you hear like ex-prime ministers and ex-prime, they're like, yeah, no, I only get three and a half hours sleep a night. I'm like, if they can do that, I can like get dressed and get my baby out for a walk. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird actually, isn't it? Because I feel like there's been a real shift with that whole thing. You know, before you'd read like, you know, a diary of a CEO or an entrepreneur or whatever, and it would be like, yeah, I, you know, I survive on, I only need four hours sleep. Whereas now, if you if you listen to people who are really successful, they're like, I make sure I have eight hours. <laughs> I start to wind down at seven and I don't look at any screens. And, and that's lying. where we are now. <laughs> and the thing is like, I can function on three or four hours sleep and maybe I can do something extraordinary on three or four hours sleep I'm just a much nicer person when I've had a good night's sleep and my Mm. husband will tell you that too like he likes me more if I've slept (laughs) (laughs) 
Noel, before we get into your life as a mum, tell us about your your career life and tell us about all of the reporting that you've done in Yemen, where your your family are from. Obviously, you yeah. were brought up here in the UK, but just give us a little brief history on your career because it's so fascinating. So I've always worked in documentaries. Um, I've been doing that for like the last 11 years, but I never went into conflict you know, I never went to war zones. So I did a lot of feature films. And then it wasn't until about six, seven years ago when the war in Yemen began. And my parents had actually decided to move back home. So they were in Yemen at the time with my um, younger siblings. They were like eight and 10 at the time. Um, mm. And then a war broke out there. Um, and it was, it was, you know, there was complete lockdown. No foreign journalists can get in, could get in. And my parents were still there. Um, and I was working for the BBC at the time, but I wasn't doing conflict zones. But I had a Yemeni passport that I hadn't really used up until that point. Um, and they were like, oh, you can get in. And my parents really wanted someone to cover what was going on there. So they said, you should really come. You should be covering this. And so I went to Yemen and that was my first ever war zone. Um, and I reported from there. And then, you know, ever since, that's what I've been doing. I've been going to different places around the world. Um, I've gone to, you know, I've done Yemen, Iraq, Syria, you know, different places. Wow. And and it kind of just opened up um yeah, it opened up the door for me into conflict reporting. And it's it's really crazy because I'm like, I'm such a wuss. I'm scared of dogs when I go to the park, but I report from war zones. <laughs> and yeah, it's been incredible. It really has. So I've done like, we've done, you know, conflict reporting, reporting on malnutrition and all the things that come with war. Um, mm. I made a film on child sex abuse in Iraq last year. Well, two years ago now, actually, I forgot about COVID and having a baby. Um mm. And yeah, it's been amazing, an amazing journey. And how do you, you know, go into these like war zones and see all these, you know, things that seem so alien to us and then come back to your normal life? How do you separate it? I mean, that's how, I don't know how I wouldn't sort of, be really badly affected by seeing these things. Mm. You do get affected. And I think before having Nora, it was so easy to disconnect. And I think it's because it's a bit of a defense mechanism. If I didn't disconnect when I came back home, I'd go a bit crazy. Um, Mm. And so when I'm on the ground, like I'm really focused and, you know, we really get into the stories and it can be really, really difficult at times. But then when I come back, I'm one of those people that I don't want to talk about it at home. Like me and my husband don't talk about what what I saw, what happened when we were there or the people I met and their harrowing stories. We just right. get on with life here. Um, and it really helps me kind of leave, leave, not leave it behind. I think that's a really horrible thing to say, but, but kind of just disconnect and yeah. disassociate my work life from my personal life. Like my friends, none of them do what I do. Uh, most of them work in finance. And I find that really refreshing because it means we don't have to talk about it all the time. We can just mm. talk about, where we're getting our hair and nails done or, you know, just the other things in life. Um, but now that I'm a mum, I think that's going to be a lot more difficult. Like I was telling Zoe, I find it really hard to even watch some of the pieces that I've worked on because I'm like, oh, now I get it. Like this is, it's just, it's, yeah, I think it's going to be really different. And it's really 
interesting that you've said that as well because obviously you know Georgia and I have watched a, you know a couple of the films that you've made and the one particular one that sort of stood out in yeah. my mind that I felt really really hard to watch in fact I was crying throughout the whole thing was the piece that you did on the little boy in Yemen who was dying of starvation because he couldn't access the lactose free milk tell us that story so that story was in 2016 and after the war began in Yemen there was a complete blockade which meant no food or medicines uh, like barely any food or medicines was getting into the country so people couldn't afford to buy food and also they just there was such scarcity of really important things like baby formula like you saw uh, in that piece and so this little boy Abdurrahman he was allergic to his mother's breast milk and it's something that's so common here you know you hear mums yeah. saying like oh my baby's lactose intolerant mm. I've had to put them on neocate or on lactose free milk yeah. and and you know Abdurrahman was one of those babies he'd just get really sick whenever he had his mum's breast milk and so he needed lactose free formula and it was completely like non-existent in Yemen because of the blockade and so this film was really about us searching for this lactose-free formula. I mean, how ridiculous does it even sound? Mm. Um, now, now that I know how common this is, you know, I didn't know it back then. I didn't even know what, you know, and it's just so ridiculous because Nora had to be put on lactose-free formula as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. so we just kept looking for it and, looking, and we just couldn't find it. And as we're looking for it, this, this baby is, is not only just so uncomfortable with his mother's milk, but would throw up whatever went into his stomach. So was so malnourished, he was dying. Mm. Um, and the doctors were saying that he didn't have long to go. And, um, and finally, like this doctor that we were filming was able to source it from Saudi Arabia. And we were able to help bring in boxes and boxes of this lactose-free formula. But that's like one baby that we yeah. were able to help, you know? Like mm. there are millions of babies in Yemen that need that, that need, you know, you, in the film, I think um, there's, we have like an hour long film. There's another baby who had a fever and just needed this antibiotic because of this fever he had and the antibiotic was non-existent. And, and we watched him die in front of us, like we filmed it. And now oh, God. I'm like, oh God, you know, it's just, I just find it so hard to comprehend yeah. now. Like it's just so different. These are things that we have like access to, you know, very easily. And actually, if you rewound to like 2016, when Axel was was little and I, you know, he had reflux and I just, my biggest worry was getting a doctor's appointment, yeah. you know, on mm. the same day. So mm. I can't imagine how a mother or father would feel if they there was literally no way to help their tiny newborn baby. Just... Even watching yeah. it, I couldn't understand. Even yeah. watching it, even though I was seeing it, I couldn't understand it. I couldn't understand how something like this could happen and why we're not seeing more of it, actually, because I think we all need to be more aware of it, that these things are happening and actually it's not mm. that far away from, you know, we're, we're sort of in our bubble here of popping to the supermarket and seeing the doctor and having the access. But that was only five years ago. And I imagine it's still going on today mm. in some parts. Well, it is. And you know what was incredible about that film in particular is that after it came out, um, and I was so worried that no one would care because there is very little interest in Yemen, on Yemen, you know, here. But when it came out, I got tons and tons of emails and messages and it was all from mums. 
They were like, I was holding my baby and I was mm. feeding and then I saw your report and I just have to do something to help and like loads and loads of mums. And I didn't understand it at the time. I was like, why are all these mums, you know, why aren't like the politicians doing anything about this or, yeah. you know, people who have, but it was because they could really relate. You know, these people may be thousands and thousands of miles away and have completely different lives, but this is something that we can all relate to and we have in common mm. no matter where we're from. Or, and, um, and so we launched an appeal and so many people donated and, and it was just incredible to see how many people mm. got involved. You mm. just mentioned that there doesn't seem to be very much interest in Yemen in, in the UK. Why yeah. why is that? Why are we not seeing why are we not seeing more of what's going on? I think it is because it's just such a foreign land um, and we don't know much about it. We tend to not care more but just be more interested in reading about places that we've gone on holiday to or we may have known someone that's gone on holiday there or uh, and with Yemen we've just never heard about it before until this war happened and so it's really difficult to connect and I think that's what made that story different is it was about mums and so it no longer mattered where these mums were from it wasn't about Yemen it was about these mothers struggle and so everyone could relate to that and I think that's why you know it really it got so widespread that piece um, and it did really well in terms of people watching it and sharing it and screening it and I think that was why because they found something in the piece that they could relate to mm. yes because at the end of the day we're all just in the same club together and, exactly and, yeah it doesn't so matter true. where you live where you're from who you are it's like when you become a parent you're just part of it um I exactly. wanted to ask you I, I don't know what sort of mum you are but go back to Nawal who didn't have a daughter um, working and you said you found it quite easy to come back and disconnect. Now you have a six month old baby, you're going back to work in two weeks. So tell us how you're feeling about re-entering the work world and also how you're going to deal with seeing these horrific things. Um, I think, oh, there's so much in that question. <laughs> I think <laughs> we've got time. You know, we've got time. <laughs> well, first of all, I think the reporting I did before really impacted my motherhood journey when I first had Nora. So, you know, a lot of times after I'd come back from doing those pieces, I'd get managers saying, do you want therapy? Do you need to go and speak to someone? And like, quite honestly, it was really hard to see those things, but I don't think it had an impact on me at the time, or at least I didn't think it had an impact on me. And I was like, actually, I feel fine. And, you know, and that film is just one of many. I've gone back to do Starvation in Yemen multiple times since then. Um, and, and it wasn't until I had Nora um, that I realized how sometimes things can have an impact on you, but you don't realize until something else happens in your life and it all creeps up. Um, and that's what happened. You know, I had Nora and, and you know, when the midwives come a few days later to check on your baby putting on their birth weight, Nora just wouldn't put her birth weight back on. She, for the first two weeks, kept losing weight and losing weight. And then she just wouldn't regain it um, for like four or five weeks. Um, and I had the midwives coming multiple times to come and, and weigh her and... Um, and, you know, they would reassure me that it was absolutely fine. They'd say some babies, you know, they take a really long time to put on their birth weight. It's fine. Don't put pressure on yourself. Clearly she's latching. So it's, you know, just keep doing what you're doing, blah, blah, blah. But it just drove me absolutely insane. Like for those weeks, I would wake up every few hours and check that she's breathing. And I was like, she's going to die. She's going to die like all those babies oh, I saw. Gosh. Do you think that that was as a result of 
the things that you'd seen in the starvation stories that you told, do you think? Yeah, because I'd seen it so many times. And then I thought like, you know, I just felt, and I'm sure a lot of mums feel this and it wasn't just because of what I'd seen, but I just felt like I was failing because I just thought I bought her all this stuff. She had such a pretty nursery that I had loads of time on my hands during lockdown. So, you know, I worked on her nursery and, and the one thing that I need to give her to survive, like I'm not doing it right because she's not putting on the weight. And then this midwife came and I just burst into tears when she weighed her because she weighed her and it was like week four and she still hadn't put on her birth weight and I just couldn't stop crying and she was like you're taking this really badly like you need to you know it's gonna be fine she's gonna put it back on she's on a bit of weight she hasn't reached her birth weight but clearly she's feeding like she's pooing blah 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 um and I just couldn't I was like I can't do this anymore like I don't want to breastfeed. I want to give her formula. And and the thing is, I was um, I was producing a lot of milk. So that's why they, they were try- really encouraging me not to go on formula. And I really did want to breastfeed at the time, you know, like, and mm. I, I'm still exclusively breastfeeding and I'm really lucky to be able to do that. But I was really adamant. Um, but at that point, I was like, I can't be the one that's responsible for her not putting on the birth. I don't want it to be me. I just yeah. want to, you know, give mm. her something. Mm. Um and so we had this incredible, I'm really lucky because I was able to have this nurse come help me um, for a few weeks. And then she was like, okay, that's it. Clearly, this is something personal that's distressing you. Your baby is absolutely fine. And she will put on the weight. Some are just slower than others. But okay, let's pump and give her the bottle. Um, and I'll put on the birth- I'll make sure she puts on her birth weight within two to three days just so you can relax. And so we did that. And then after she was, you know, after she put on her birth weight, the weight thing just was always an obsession. Like mm. I had a scale, yeah. a proper doctor's scale that I bought and I would weigh her every other day and make sure. And I only really recently have I stopped doing that. And and then I realized, yeah, it's this is mm. as a result of the things I've seen yeah. and I need yeah. to let yeah. go. We'll be right back after this short break. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to this episode of Made by Mamas. Now, where were we? And I guess as well, like, you know, you would feel like I have access to everything. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I can go to the shop and buy her formula. So I don't, yeah, like you said, I don't want to be the one that's responsible for her losing weight when I know that there's a choice. And and we have a choice here as well, you know, like we exactly. actually have a choice. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you breastfeed 
or or you formula feed and and we and both we are readily available to you know most people unless you're having complications yeah it's just a mixture of things isn't it like when you first have a baby there's so many hormones and you're so emotional anyway and then and sometimes you just become irrational I think I became irrational because I was weighing her like she'd eat and then I'd weigh her to see if she put on weight and I'm like what am I now when I look back I'm like okay that was ridiculous and no but do you know know what I I really do I can really relate to that and I think actually it's to do with potentially trauma from all of our past that Mm. we bring forward into our parenting life for example I had a bad eating disorder that I've spoken about lots so my thing with both Luna and Kit was making sure that they had the the right nutrients when I started to wean them but I got Mm. so obsessive with it that I used to do you remember George I used to tickle Luna under the arm so she'd laugh and then I'd put a spoon of food in her mouth I mean that is a shocking admission but at the same time it's it was driven by the fact that I spent 10 years not putting anything in my mouth and I was like I'm recovered now I need to make sure that my daughter is is feeding properly so I was like she needs to get the food in she needs to get the food in looking back on it imagine that like giggling and someone going oh it's just yeah, an awful yeah. thing like it's an awful thing to do I feel but really it's bad because, yeah but because in your mind you think I don't care how she's getting the nutrients she yeah. just needs to get them so yeah. this is what we're going to do you know obviously you're you're going back to work in a couple of weeks and this is not a normal you know, return to work yeah. or a normal job that you're going to. Is there any support from your employer? You know, I can't imagine there are many women, you know, mothers doing the job that you're doing. So how 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 do you get the support? It's been like quite a journey. So I always knew I wanted to have kids. And um and the whole time, so like for the last six, seven years, me and my my husband's older than I am. And so he's been ready for a long time. Like he's wanted kids for ages. But I was always terrified of what it was gonna do to my career. So in my head, I was like, babies means I'm not going to be able to do this anymore. Because that's the example that we have, you know, like all the top war correspondents that I admire, like none of them have kids. There are some that do, like Clarissa Ward is an incredible one on in CNN. On CNN. Mm. There's multiple others, Alex Crawford from Sky, but it's they're very rare. You know, most of the women that do what we do don't have children and it's for a reason. Um, and so I was always terrified. And then I got pregnant and it was COVID. So it was lockdown. So all my work meetings were like this on Zoom mm. and my belly was getting bigger and bigger. And I hadn't told anyone at work. I left it like quite late because I was terrified. I thought I'm going to tell them and they're going to be like, oh, that's it. Her career's over. Oh, and God, I hate was- <laughs> that you felt that. It's awful. It's actually like now, <laughs> you know, and it's quite ridiculous because when I told them, like my manager um, was absolutely incredible. Like he was so excited for me. He's just had two kids and and he was just like, oh, this is great. Take all the time that you need. And when you come back, don't worry, like we'll support you to keep doing what you're doing. Mm. But there was, there was also yes. like loads of other reactions. Um, and, you know, I had I had one manager, not my manager, but like someone quite senior as well, say, oh, you're pregnant? Um, I mean, I hope you don't mind me asking, but was it planned? Like, could it, you know, and I just thought- Oh my God. And the thing is, you know, when someone asks you something and it's so, you're so shocked that your immediate thing is just to answer it. And then after you hang up, you're like, why the hell did I not call him yeah. out on that? Well, I would have, I, I would have just been like, what do you mean? But what do you mean? What difference does that make? <laughs> 
I was like, yes, it's planned. I've always wanted children. And, I, and like, there's no reason why I can't have kids and do my job. And he was like, uh, yeah, yeah, of course there's no reason. But, and then I just, you know, afterwards I was like, I should have said, what the hell? Like, who asked yeah, what that? What do you mean you know? by that? Yeah. Isn't it incredible as well that men would never be asked that? Men would never be asked That's that so question no, they would be like oh yeah. you can have your paternity leave then you come straight back and you get on with it and I'm sure there are plenty of male war correspondents who have so children many. that just crack back on with it and there's no questions asked yeah, yeah. it's like there's so many and it's a really kind of that you know that became really apparent to me through this journey it's like so many of my colleagues they all have kids no one asks them you know when are you going to come back are you thinking about a career change afterwards do you want to do more presenting in-house afterwards I'm like why are you making all these decisions for me when I haven't you know I haven't kind of brought on this conversation and you're already telling me what I should be thinking and how I should be feeling and what I'm going to do when I come back and I actually found it was a lot of women which is really unfortunate but a lot of women at work were like, oh, so are you thinking about, you know, presenting in-house when you come back? Which I'd love to do. That's not the point. But I was like, no, I'm still going to do what I'm doing. And then they'd say, well, you're going to feel different once the baby's here. And I'm like, oh, you don't you know that. Yeah. And then you make me nervous and stressed, pregnant, thinking, oh, my God, am I going to feel different once I come back? And am I going to regret this? And it was one manager who was like my mentor, um, no longer works there, but he was like, I told him, oh, I'm pregnant, but I'm not telling everyone because maybe I'll come back and actually not not a lot of people will know. And he he just flipped. He was like, are you crazy? Why are you not proud to be pregnant? You're going to, you know, it's absolutely fine. And you'll be able to do whatever you oh. want to do if that's what you want to do, you know, and don't let anyone tell you otherwise. And then I told him about some of the women and he was like, some people like to deflect. If they mm, yeah, felt exactly. differently... They don't like to hear that you're not going to feel that way. And if you do, there's nothing wrong with that either. If you do have the baby and change your mind, so what? And I was like, that's so true. Why am I putting so much pressure on myself to have to go back and go to conflict zones and all these things? And like, even if I don't, who cares? Like my priorities are going to shift. It's going to be different and we'll see how it goes. And actually when I had her, now I honestly feel like there's more importance to what I used to do. I'm like, I really want to go and meet those kids again. Mm. I yes. want to go and speak to those mums. Like, you know, that was so important what we did. And if I was in their position, like, you know, it's just I really value what I was doing a lot more um, now that I've had Nora. And hopefully I'll be able to make it work. It'll be different, but, you know, I'll make it work. I love that you just said as well that you all have a kind of deeper level of understanding. I think mm -hmm. now as a mum, mm -hmm. you know, you will now be able to be in their shoes and be able to understand how they feel about their child because you're a mother yourself. And that's yeah. the thing that weirdly for a very long time, I don't think mothers in the workplace have been conditioned to feel that actually when we become parents, we're better equipped to tackle our jobs because we're better multitaskers. You know, we're probably oh, yeah. better nurturers. <laughs> we're, you know, we're, we can work to a deadline. We can work to a deadline. No one likes yeah. a deadline like the nap time deadline <laughs> when you know you need to like do about a million things in a 45 minute window. That's so true. I'm yeah. such a better multitasker. Yeah. It's ridiculous. yeah. But also, yeah. you know what? I think you're talking about the women who were sort of saying to you like, oh, you know, you're, you're probably, are you going to do this? Are you going to do that? And it's sad that 
that's probably from years of conditioning. It's probably yeah. from their, you know, managers or mentors saying to them, right, okay, so when you come back, we're going to move you over to this because this is going to be better for you and making decisions. And I think now we're breaking that chain, you know, hopefully people won't feel like that when they return yeah. to work. And like you say, it doesn't matter if you do feel like that, of course, but as long as it's your own choice and your own decision. Yeah. I do think that like the things that freak me out and worry me about going back to work are the same things that worry any mom going back to work. And hopefully any dad as well. I hope that they feel the same way when they go back to work. It's like, oh, I'm going to really miss her. You know, mm. that's going to really suck. How am I going to pump at work or whatever? Um, you know, stuff like... I went to New York for a couple of days for work uh, two months ago and she started rolling when I wasn't there. Like that's the stuff I worry about. But going to conflict zones, um, we take so much, like we we really calculate the risks and we really plan around them. I've never wanted to get myself killed before I had a baby. It's not going to change now. Mm. Um, And I really think I'm just going to be more selective on this, you know, the stories I do, I want to just do the ones I genuinely care about. And I'm going to kind of plan them better. There's a lot of like milling about in countries sometimes when we do these things, uh, because I want to come home to my daughter as soon as possible. But Mm -hmm. any mom doing any job, I think feels that way. And it's got nothing to do about with this profession per se, but it's just about wanting to spend as much quality time with your children as you can. I remember um, my first job back after Kit and he was three weeks old and it was a DJ um, DJ gig. And I remember standing there in this dress, you know, three weeks postpartum, we needed the money, like Dozer was retiring from rugby and I was like, I've got to do this. And I remember pre-kids, I would have gone to the DJ gig, I would have done my set and then I've gone out after drunk loads of cocktails got really drunk come back at four and I literally did the set got off the stage and was like get me in a car like I have to go home and you just see it in a different way it still gives you the pleasure and the enjoyment that you used to have but there is a tiny little person at the end of that that's you just want to be with more than anyone else in the whole entire world so it actually puts a different dimension maybe we're growing up yeah and also do you know what's so it's such a good point because I think probably pre-covid there's so much emphasis on how long you spent with your colleagues so if you were the person having Mm. drinks after work every night with you were seen as a good colleague actually that's a prime example so you did your set you left you did exactly the same job as you would have done had you left at 4 a.m or 12 p.m whatever time you left yeah it's exactly the same but we've we've sort of been built to think that we have to be seen to be there to be there and running home to your kids is like a bad is a bad thing no yeah. not at all mm. we're actually just using our time efficiently yeah. um and, and we're work, you know working effectively and just not like you say milling around doing the extra things that actually maybe don't need to be done yeah yeah yeah. I think that's something everyone can take. Like no matter what profession, like mums need more support in the workplace for us to be able to do it. And I think there's a problem with that. We don't get enough support. Most of us are embarrassed to say we need the help because mm-hmm. you feel like, oh, I shouldn't say anything. I should apologize for being late because, you know, my baby was screaming their head off as I was leaving the door or whatever. And we shouldn't be doing that. We should be saying, oh, I'm going to be late, baby's sick or whatever. Um, I need more help. I need you know, now when I travel, if I'm going somewhere safe and I'm going to be there for weeks on end and I want to take her, I should be able to say, oh, can you get me a bigger room because I'm bringing my daughter with me? Yeah. Um, but the reality is we feel like we can't. And 
that's the problem. We feel like if we say that, we're asking for too much and they're going to think, and it's because that is the reality. They'll give the job to someone else who doesn't ask for all those things. And I think once that changes, once mm. you know we do get more support and mums feel like they can, it will make a lot of aspiring war correspondents or financiers mm. or whatever uh, want to carry on working once they become mums, but the support just isn't there. This yeah. is basically about a deeper level of understanding um, with regards to humans. For me, mm. this is about understanding that we all need support, regardless of whether you're a parent or not. You know, it, we haven't really been heard, I don't think, for a lot of time in the workplace. You know, you're supposed to show up, you're supposed to be there the first, you're supposed to last, uh, leave the last. And then, you know, what's left for you? And I think now, maybe, hopefully, since COVID and since there's just, you know, people have lives outside of their jobs and maybe people are seeing the human touch a little bit more and, yeah. and and the real heart of somebody. And actually that includes parents, but it also includes people who don't have children that actually might have been having a really rubbish morning and had a big cry and couldn't leave 15 mm. minutes earlier than they said they were going to. Do you know what I mean? So mm. I think if everybody just stopped and listened to one another a little bit more, we might make this world a bit of a nicer place to live in. That's so true. And no, I completely agree. Guys, when am I going to become prime minister? <laughs> Sorry, I mean, <laughs> when is it happening, there's guys? nothing for me to say now. <laughs> Sorry for prime minister, okay? I'll wear a hoodie every day <laughs> we just got so carried away with my um zoe for pm speech that we forgot to ask noelle for her best piece of advice that she's ever been given or the piece of advice that she would give to a new parent new mum and a true fan of the podcast because you reminded us <laughs> we know that you definitely have been listening so i guess the best piece of advice would be and someone said this to me is that when you're having a really hard time to, I guess everyone says this to you when you become a new mum, is to know that it does get a lot better, you know, and, and it really does. It gets a lot better and a lot easier. And tomorrow will be a new day and hopefully a good day. Love that. That's so very, and very products, true. Because we, you know, we love hearing about products. So let us know. Products for me, the two top ones are White Noise Machine and yeah. a good snooze shade and it was funny because I was listening to your episode with Alison and I heard you Georgia saying that you didn't want to be that mum that had the snooze shade on and the white noise walking down <laughs> <the> <laughs> yeah. and I'm like so that mum with the white noise the snooze shade and I'm strolling along the park but then I see the other mums that tell the dog to shut up when they bark and I'm like I've got it all sorted. So and then I love this website called Whirly, which is, I think that's yes. how you say it. I think it's the most incredible thing where you can rent toys. Mm. Um, and so I signed up two months ago and it's been amazing. So you pay 15 pounds a month and then you can rent toys for your child and then return them like a library and then exchange the toys, which means we don't have loads of toys laying around in our flat, which is amazing. Um, and then the last thing is the Hacker pump. Oh, yeah, Which was absolutely amazing when you're breastfeeding and you're engorged and half asleep in the middle of the night. And then you just take it out and pump a bit to relieve yourself, which was amazing. And then the food processor machines, because they just make life so much easier. I know everyone says it's a gimmick, but I hate doing dishes and I hate having like four saucepans out to make a puree. So that's made life a lot easier. Which one do you like? Have you got a particular brand that you like? Is it called the Biaba or Biba? The Biba, Ooh, I, I don't, don't know, know that one. It's, it's really popular, but I'm probably just saying it wrong. <laughs> How do you spell it? How do you spell it? B-E-A-B-A. -A. 
Oh, yes. Yeah, no, I have seen that. I think they do the milk machine as well, don't they? Exactly, yeah. So they do, like, it's the whole steamer and blender in one thing. And there's loads of types, but it has been amazing for weaning. Um, So that's definitely one of my top pieces. Noelle, thank you so much for coming on. I just oh, loved it. Was an it. absolute pleasure. Oh, we love thank that. you so much. Good luck when you go back to work. Yeah. Let us know how it goes. Thank you. And thank you for getting me through all those nights feeding. I'd listen to the podcast and it would really, oh. really help me out. <laughs> <laughs> well, we loved having you listening from home. And yeah, like Georgia says, let us know when you're back at work because we'd love to have you back on to chat about how it's been and how it's what going. You've seen yeah. And yeah. I will for sure. Thank you. I just want to be her. Oh, I want, I want, what I want a kick ass woman, seriously. Yeah. Like, Do you not feel like a massive underachiever when you listen to her? <laughs> she had her awards in the background. I, and I was like, oh my goodness. Like, we, we might win Best Podcast Award, yes. but we, we won't be winning the awards that she's won anytime soon. I love her. I love her. And I, and I love um, the reflection that she's made on her life now that she's a mum. Yeah. You know, uh, um, her baby's six months old and she's got to go back to work now that that's that's a massive that's a massive thing for any mum but then to go exactly. back potentially into a conflict zone huge yeah you can't imagine but I guess for her that is just her job isn't it yeah. you know that is her job that's what she does but yeah I think it just goes to show no matter what you know career you're going back to or job you're going back to all of us feel the same we all have the same worries around childcare, about missing milestones about you know just leave leaving leaving the baby that you've spent probably every single day with um and yeah no matter what you do for a living we're all in this same boat and we all have so much you know we all have the same thing in common that we just want the best for our kids Mm. yeah it was a beautiful conversation wasn't it I loved it Uh, massive thanks to Nawal Um, and um, yeah we're going to be back obviously in a few days time for another brilliant podcast before we go though we would love 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 you to rate review subscribe and give the podcast a little follow and a massive thank you to you if you have voted for us in the Glow Mama Awards we should be finding out in the next month or so if we've won and if you do spot any kick ass women like Nawal out on Instagram or you know anybody who you think would have a great story to share with us then please do drop us a DM we're on at made by mamas and we're always going for your suggestions um, and we will be back on Friday made by mamas is an insanity podcast production and today's episode was produced by the wonderful Charlotte Mason insanity group planning for your next trip Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.